We're in a series called, As It Is in Heaven in Tomball. Last week we talked about bringing heaven to earth through you and me. That the kingdom of heaven is not something we look forward to alone when we get to heaven. But there's a not my will but thine be done. Uh, and is it your will be done in, on earth as it is in heaven mentality that we, we must walk in. And he's actually waiting on us. I want you to hear this as I start. He's waiting on us to ask him to come. He's waiting on us to give him permission. He's already given us permission to lay hands on the sick and have them be healed, to lay hands on the demon-possessed and have them be released from the demonic. He's already given us permission. And what we do, we often wait and we say we're waiting on God. But in, in this last week, and this kingdom of heaven is here, it's at hand, it's available now, it's meant to be now, is this idea that he is waiting on us to act in our proper identity as kids of the kingdom, all right? Don't do these things, and you'll fit into the kingdom of the church. What happens, though, is often the kingdom of the church actually opposes or takes away energy and power from the kingdom of heaven because it's about right living, and some right living, some rule-keeping living, and some right living, which is good, without the kingdom living of the abundance of the kingdom and the expansion of the kingdom of heaven. And we covered some of the kingdom of heaven is, is always expanding and that the kingdom of heaven is like a yeast or an infection that we're actually supposed to be stewarding well the kingdom of heaven within us. So it's infecting people. It's impacting people. Mostly what we're taught in the kingdom of the church is, is to stay away from bad yeast. Okay? To stay away from bad things. But in the kingdom of heaven, we're like the good thing that is within me is so much greater than the bad thing that's in the world. So watch out world instead of watch out kingdom. All right? So I want to get some of that, some of that straight and. uh, in Exodus chapter 33 and a couple other scriptures, we're going to take a look at the kingdom of heaven and God's presence here on earth. About the kingdom of heaven coming to earth to visit with Moses. And that most of us might have an Old Testament view of the kingdom of God or the presence. It's a bit more difficult and makes us more responsible for stewardship in a couple different ways. Now... Before we get to our scripture, the scripture is about a tent, about Moses going to a tent, okay? And so I want us to really get in our minds that this mentality of the tent, that we have to go somewhere to experience the presence of God, is not a New Testament concept. It's an Old Testament concept. The idea that I have to go to church to experience God or to hear God or to worship is actually an Old Testament construct construct that we don't bring into the New Testament. That doesn't mean we don't gather. That doesn't mean we don't hear prophetic words. That doesn't mean we don't worship together. I mean, I think that the Sabbath is meant to be sacred, that we're supposed to honor that, that, that the Sabbath. But in, in, the, in the kingdom of heaven, there is no tent. All right. There's no tent mentality where I have to get somewhere 
to get to God. And, and we see this a lot in like epic adventures. You're like, you're like struggling, the nation's downtrodden, and you have to get from this bad place into this good place where in this good place there's a secret sword or there's a wizard or there's something there that when I get that, then everything else will begin to get better. But what I'm saying is we already have that secret sword. We already have that special relationship. I hope you didn't hear me call Jesus a wizard. All right. But that, but we, are, we already have that now. It's not we get that later. It's not we get that when we get that. We have that now. So so in the church in, in the church or religious kingdom, there is a temple you need to get to, and it's the it's the first church of blank, or the assembly of God blank, or the first Baptist church of blank. It's where the right things are being talked about, and people are living right. That's the church kingdom. In the kingdom of heaven. We, we, we look to have the kingdom of heaven within us and flow through us. That doesn't mean we don't, we don't go to church or anything like that. But what it does mean is the church takes on a new, fresh meaning. All right? So the church, instead of the church being a place we get to go to or we try to go to, we're getting to church as our goal. The church becomes a vehicle where the kingdom of heaven is then expressed on earth. Does that make a difference? So instead of the church being, I, I went to church, that's my goal. I went to church, I greeted at the door, I gave some money, my kid found a, knows a scripture, and once a month I go to a men's meeting. That's my goal. I've completed the rules of the kingdom of church. But in the kingdom of heaven, there's this other thing where there's always expansion. There's always, there's always destruction of the evil around me. As light infects and infests the world and all the poverty in the world and all the racism in the world, it begins to encroach upon all that and it infects that. And then the church then, instead of a place of goal that I go to just to go and do my duty, it becomes a vehicle through which the kingdom comes, the kingdom of heaven comes to earth through the church. And that's us. We're supposed to, we're supposed to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth through us in how we do our job and how we spend our money and all of those other things. So with the kingdom of heaven in our hearts and minds, church becomes a training ground instead of a babysitting club. So church becomes a, a, a training ground instead of a babysitting club. So we're not all coming in looking alike, acting alike, not getting offended. It, it's a place where we're coming in and we're trained by the fivefold ministry to go out and then do the work of the kingdom, to spread the gospel, to have, to have healing happen in our own lives, in our own marriages, in our own children, and it spreads out to the children of our neighborhood. It spreads out to our friendships. It spreads out to anybody that walks into my home the kingdom is being spread because I'm being trained. I look at myself differently. It's not I go to church and then I separate myself from church and I live my week out. It's like I, I go to church, I'm equipped, I get a kingdom mentality, and I go and I live in the world, and the world begins to change around me. And I, I wrote down with the measly five loaves and two fishes instead of a place of potlucks and pizza parties. So we're looking to take the little bit of sustenance that we actually have, because some of us are quite, we don't have to, we think we have to have a lot, but we don't. We just have to believe in the little bit that Jesus gave us that we can break that and share that and bless that, and it will be enough to feed the multitudes. And I want to believe that. I really do. I want to be a person that believes that how God made me was intentional for me to change things around me. Now, I'm going to start with a, a couple scriptures of, from, from Corinthians. The first one is from 1 Corinthians. 
And this is a kingdom mindset. Before I get to Exodus, it's a kingdom mindset that I am the temple of the Holy Spirit, okay? So if I am the temple of the Holy Spirit, but I'm always trying to get to an actual church temple, then I'm always making a mistake and I'm pursuing something that's actually within me. All right? So I'm saying I need to experience God, so I need to get to a church meeting. Don't get me wrong. We need to pursue wherever the Spirit of God is happening. If it's at Herman's house, if it's at a worship night, if it's on a Sunday morning, if it's on a Friday night, if it's at a Bible study, if it's calling with a friend and getting the Spirit of God. But there's something about the kingdom that it's within me. It is within me. It's in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through Spirit. Who is in you? Whom you have received from God. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. So... I've been purchased by the blood of Jesus. We know that, right? But we think it's just I've been purchased so that I can go to church and be good and suffer on earth until I go to heaven. But instead, the kingdom mentality is is that I've actually been purchased as a place for him to live and dwell and inhabit and live out him here on earth. And it, it switches then, doesn't it? So therefore, I don't want to be a place of anger and bitterness because it doesn't leave much room for him to live in. It doesn't leave much room. If I've got all these compartments of, 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 um, of, of race and of identity problems and of uh, sexual perversion, and then what I really am saying is I have a little tiny compartment for him to live in, but that seed can never get light. It can never grow because it begins to wreck those things in me. But I've been purchased to be a housing of God. And, I li- and then I live that out. And what the kingdom of heaven says is that we, we are to live that out. We're not to, I'm not to hope that Buddy lives it out to become a great evangelist. I evangelize where I'm at. I'm not to hope that Don is supposed to be a healing evangelist. I'm to be praying for people to be healed. And I'm supposed to be asking everybody around me. So this is for us and me and you. Uh, we house our own spirit and within this house, within this house is housed my spirit and my soul and the Holy Spirit. The spirit of God is within me and we're housed together. That makes sense, right? But then think of the conflict that causes as my soul continues to war against the Holy Spirit. As, as, as my soul, as my mind and my emotions, because of my rage or because of my, what, my, my wrong beliefs that I won't submit over to the Holy Spirit. So my spirit is constantly beat down, often by my soul or often by what my house is doing. What Paul calls here in this next scripture is my tent. My temporary tent often dictates what my spirit feels like and what my soul feels like. And so there's, as we honor and we worship, as we physically worship and we physically give and we physically serve, something begins to happen to my physical house where it comes into submission of the Holy Spirit that's within me. And then my mind and my emotions often follow that spirit-to-spirit thing. So one day I will be released from this tent after it's destroyed. But while I'm here... And while I'm housed in this tent, and while the Holy Spirit is housed in this tent with me, it is my job then to serve and glorify God with my body. That's why my body. That's why I steward well my time. I look at my calendar and I say, does, do, does, do, do these things reflect 
the kingdom of heaven? Or is it all about me checking off my Netflix list? All about me checking off the new movie list? All about me doing what I want socially? Or is there some kingdom stuff week to week, month to month, year to year that my body is actively participating in? So in Paul in 2 Corinthians 5.1, again, Paul, for we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. So we have all always grew up with the mentality that there's a mansion for me to live in. So it doesn't matter what kind of crummy little building I live in here, I've got a mansion in heaven. But, but when you read this scripture, I get this different idea that it's an eternal house. It's a house made, it's, it's going to be similar to a, to a physical house, of course, but it's an eternal house. And in that house, it's not going to be fighting. My, 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 my house at that time where my spirit and my soul is encapsulated, where I'm going, it's going to be set much more for me to not have all the distractions of my physical hearing, of my past experiences, of my flesh that wants to punch somebody. Or my, you know, the things like that. That my flesh is going to be gone. There's going to be something else, and and so there, it's an important thing for us to realize bodies. And when we think about, and whenever we read Old or New Testament, we always have to think New Testament about we are the temple. When we think worshiping, we need to think worship right here. When we th- when we think dedication of something uh, sacramental or something special or something set apart, sanctified, we're not thinking a church building. We're not thinking church music. We're not thinking a music. We're thinking us, 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 me, my body, my mind, my emotions lined up to the Holy Spirit, which is my Holy Spirit, my spirit, my, my mind and my emotions lined up, and then my flesh will line up to that. So we focus on the Spirit of God within me, not the sin that I'm participating in. So we've too long focused just on the sin we participate in instead of focusing on the one thing that actually change and make whole the sin that we're participating in because I'm sanctified by the one who lives within me. I'm not sanctified by how good I live my life with my physical body. I'm sanctified by, by the one who lives within me and that begins to change everything as I focus on that. All right. Turn to Exodus 33. First, look at your neighbor, point to them. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You have an eternal home in heaven. Point to yourself. I am the temple of the Holy Spirit. Point to yourself. I have an eternal home in heaven. How would you, how would you treat... Well, I don't want to go there. Okay, all right. Let's go to Exodus 33, verse 7. Now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. Anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. And whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people rose and stood at the entrances to their own tents, watching Moses until he entered the tent. As Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. Whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the, to the tent, they all stood and worshipped, each at the entrance to their own tent. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one who speaks to a friend. Then Moses re, would return to the camp, but his young A Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. Now this is after Moses has gone up to get the Ten Commandments. This is after he's come back down and all of Israel 
was uh, got, got drunk, got naked, took their jewels off, melted them down and made a golden calf and started worshiping it, it because Moses took too long on the mountain. All right. This is after God asked everybody to come to the mountain. And if you go to Exodus chapter 20, about the middle, speak on God's behalf. See, it was always, it's always been God's intent that every one of us sitting in this room would be able to, be, to speak to God. That every one of us would be able to have intimate relationship with God. All right? It's our own, it's our own stuff that keeps us away from God. It's our own stuff that keeps us from hearing. It is not God that is not speaking to us. So I'm going to go over three things about... Um, about this, but can you see how the imagery of the tent from Paul in First and Second Corinthians that I read? Now here's a guy. Here's the leader of all of Israel. He has a tent outside of the camp. He's going to that tent. He's experienced the Lord. How do people know he's experiencing the Lord? Because there's a cloud of glory. All right. So they all stand at their tent and worship at their tent. It was never intended for them to worship at their tent. It was always intended for them to go to that tent. Did you, I hope you read that. I hope you saw that in there. But they decided some back, back in chapter 20, 13 chapters before, that we will not go. We will wait and let Moses hear for us, and he'll come back and talk to us. So I want to challenge each of us in here to go closer with God, deeper with God. That doesn't mean you don't get words from people. That doesn't mean you don't get taught by people. But you're always going after that one-on-one encounter with the Lord. Always going with that one-on-one encounter with the Lord. So just, took, just take a look at a couple tents, okay? One tent, Moses' tent, outside the camp. In the Old Testament model, we see that God only visits one person. One person, Moses, the leader, extra special, guy set apart, okay? The third thing we see, there's a tangible manifestation of God's presence, a cloud. So I'm going to go over those three things uh, today. So... What we see on this first one is God only visits one tent. Well, in the, in the new agreement, under the new covenant, under the new rules of play, under the new relational context, is that God wants to visit all of us, that God lives within all of us. I, want, I don't know how to, like, I was, I was sharing with somebody this week, I don't know how to, like, say that enough or explain that enough of how important that is that you realize it is you that he desires, it's not the Journey Church. It's not all the churches in Tomball. It's not this community. It's not the nations, that, which that is included. But he wants you. He wants to dwell in you, to know you, for you to be so close to him that you can hear him and talk to him. But if you're always looking to go somewhere else, you will always have a, a wrong set of journey to get somewhere to hear him when it's really he dwells in you. So the first point of the, the, the new covenant is that God visits all tents, that we are the tent, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. I am the sacred place of the Holy Spirit. You are the sacred place of the Holy Spirit. You're the place God dwells in Billy Graham alone. He chooses to dwell in us. He chooses to dwell in us. And if we can get that down, we're at the beginning of the kingdom. Now, there are some ways that we can enhance God's presence coming through us. Okay, there, there are ways. And, and one of those ways is to begin to worship, is begin to pray, is to begin to do some, some spiritual growth habits that actually cultivate and steward well the presence of God within us. So if we hear God say something during a service like this morning, 
we can hear it and we can put it there, then we can just forget about it. But if we steward it, if we go, this is God, God is telling me to do blank or to stop doing blank. That's God. And I, and I, and I don't want to not do it. So I'm going to ask God, God, give me the desire to stop what you've asked me to stop. Give me the energy, the power, the place to stop that. And I'm going to trust you to stop it. Then we begin to honor his word or to start something. Or if the Lord begins to say, I don't like that part of you, that anger in there. That's the part I'm going to point out. I'm going to get that. I want you to give that to me. That we start giving that to him. And then we begin to experience more and more as we ask and pursue. It's a position of humility and trust is... So if I trust, if I trust Sarah and Sarah goes, I hate it that you do that. I don't like that you do that. Les, I wish you would stop doing blank. I wish you would stop using these words, even though nobody's ever told me that. When Sarah tells me that because I trust her, I stop using those words. And when I stop using those words, I begin to learn something. I begin to free myself from those words because I trust her so much. And only then after I've trusted her and stopped doing what she's asked me to stop doing, only then do I get rewarded for that trust. But what we like so much now in our church culture today is we like to go, show me first and then I'll stop doing it. Show me first, prove to me that there's a benefit for me, then I'll stop doing what you ask me to do or I'll start doing what you ask me to do. Instead of God, I trust you. You're, you're pointing that out. You keep poking me in that area. I'm stopping that. I'm starting that right now. And there's a reward that comes for those who diligently seek him and follow him. Now, in the religious tent... In the religious, that's pretty good, huh? <laughs> it, there's a in the um, in the religious tent. There's just a chosen few. There's just a few. Now, don't get me wrong. There are some that hear the word of God spot on. Okay, and um, there are some, but they're, that's they're not to be the exception. They're to be the model of what we desire for. So when you hear somebody and they have word of knowledge, you're like, that's not like, oh, God just likes them. They just gave that to them. They're like, God, I want some of that. When you see somebody being out there blessing people, they like their job. You, you, we should say, instead of saying there's some of the exceptional few that get that kind of life, you're like, God, I want that life. That's uh, not, not that you're jealous, but he's like, it's a model for us. Wait, they can have that. They're my brother in Christ. I can have some of that. So we, we, we want that spiritually, but in the religious tent, there's always just a chosen few, and we have to come in and we have to submit to those chosen few. We have to submit to the prophetic word, we have to submit to the pastoral word, but, but, but we don't want that. That's not, that's not how we walk. We do want to submit appropriately, but in the kingdom, there's not a tent we're trying to get into. We are that tent. We are that temple. We are the dwelling place. So the second one, which I kind of just went into, is that the, in the second one, in the Old Testament, there's a chosen few. There's Moses. There's, and, 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 and all of the millions of people of Israel, there's Moses. And then a far, far, far second is Joshua. And Aaron is a really crummy brother slash co-leader. He does, he's the one that helps with the golden calf. He's the one that when Moses comes down the hill and says, the mountain says, why did you do this? He's like, the people made me do it. That's a really bad leader that blames the people. So it's really Moses. Moses is the one hearing God. And uh, the thing is, is that's awesome. That's awesome. The intimacy, we can admire the intimacy that, Mo- that Moses had with God. But it's Old Testament thinking. It's not kingdom thinking. It's not kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What we're saying is, wherever I'm at, I'm, I'm a temple. At the temple, he comes through me. 
He comes through me. It's not like whatever you want done, just let it happen, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to ignore everything I'm not a part of. I become a part of it. When I pray that prayer, I'm actually asking, what is my part? It is, is, it my, is it a financial part? Is it a support part? Is it a lead part? Is it, what parts in my temple do I need to get corrected and lined up with the Holy Spirit and kingdom thinking so that I don't keep getting in my own way? So Moses comes out, goes to his tent. They all stand at their tent. And they do work. Don't get me wrong. They do worship at the door of their tent. All right. So way back there, Pat sees Moses. She's at her tent. So way back there. So we all, we know because there's a cloud coming. I was reading that he probably went at certain times of the day. So people knew when to go to their door, the tent of the door of their tent. They knew when to step out. They knew when to watch Moses. And they knew when the Holy Spirit came or when God's presence came. So I'm looking there, but I'm supposed to be there with Patsy. I'm not supposed to be here ashamed, out of intimacy, out of relationship. I'm not supposed to sit here and wait for Patsy to come and come give me a word to walk through camp. And a camp that big, probably for me to hear a word, you know, multiple times later that I heard. Patsy said this. She told David. She told Victoria. She told Sarah. Spiritual information is like not just secondhand, but a dozen hands later. I want some of that. I want some of that experience. I want some of that meeting Jesus moments, okay? So, yes, we want leaders to experience God, but we want to experience God also. And we want to surround ourselves more and more and more with people who are, who are persistent and passionate about experiencing God in new ways, in fresh ways, unafraid of what people think that we come out of the tent with our face glowing, unashamed of what people think because we're not going to participate in certain things because God has showed us not to do those things, unashamed that we're not going to, we're going to spend our days doing something to actually pursue, to be persistent, to ask and seek and knock and to receive. So in this idea of uh, what it sometimes sounds like when we think when it's a, when it's a one person instead of us, if you, if you find yourself saying so-and-so said, the pastor said, my favorite teacher said, I heard it on a podcast, I read a devotional. What, what, if, what if all of us stopped repeating what a pastor said and we started repeating what the Lord said? What if we let the pastors and the prophets and the apostles and the teachers tweak some stuff, lead us to some things, and then go further that week on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and hear God for our own and then say, I'm going to own this. I, I mean, what? I mean... You can still quote me. You can still say, I love so-and-so. They said this. And I, I do it right now to some favorite, uh, two, two or three favorite guys. Um, but, but what if you like, like you learn it, though? You take it in, and you begin, this is mine. The Lord is telling me this. You don't have to give credit to somebody who t- said it a month ago, but because you're now hearing God at a deeper level, what it looks like for you. For me, what does it look like for the kingdom of heaven to dwell within me and through me as a 56-year-old white male married with two kids living with his mother-in-law. What does it look like for me? Because if it looks like something for me, it looks like something different for you. Even if you're still a 56-year-old white, white male living 30-something, not living with your, a woman, but married to the same woman. <laughs> Let me get that straight. We've been married for a while. Sometimes she says too long. But <laughs> and uh, no, some, most of the time she says not long enough. Uh, she's like, I wish I would have met you sooner. 
Yeah, yeah, I'm making that up, but thank you anyways. So, you think about that. What, what, did, what does it look like for you in your body with your past experience to be the temple of the Holy Spirit? Think, I cannot experience God because I did this yesterday. Then um, that's a lie from the devil. That's a lie from the devil. You can't imagine the pastors I've worked for that have been anointed in the pulpit, and I found out later they're in sin. And I hate that. But you know what God says? I promise I'm going to move through you, and I'm going to give you chance after chance after chance. But most of us don't get that, that, hey, I am, he living in me is bigger than I was yesterday. Him living in me could do more through me, even if I've been horrible the last month. So if I focus on him in me, instead of me living my fleshly life out, life out, something begins to change. I've seen it in my own life, and it's been really, it's been really awesome, the practical things that God's been doing. So we are to no longer look towards the tent of a single individual that's anointed. That doesn't mean we don't go around anointed people. I've gone to Bethel twice now, uh, last February, this February. We just spent eight days in Bethel, so Victoria go to camp because something's going on in California in that place. About They're about 30 years into it, 32 years into it. It's the longest sustained thing that I've known about it. I had a chance 10 years ago to like know about it, and I was like, I judge Testament principle uh, to, go to, to go to a single person. There's a New Testament principle that I'm that person, that still doesn't mean there's not people we learn from, that, that there's people we're around. So this third thing is there's a tangible manifestation of God's approval upon a dwelling place. There's a tangible uh, manifestation, a physical manifestation. Is that your phone, David? <laughs> yeah. I do want to tell you, you don't want to speed along this road right here. They pull over more people. Every time I drive here, somebody's being pulled over. I think they're, 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 um, there's a bike club going by. So this is the thing, though. There is a tangible manifestation on the tent that the Holy Spirit dwells in. That is something that is Old Testament and New Testament. There's meant to be a tangible manifestation upon your life. There should be a tan- there's meant to be a tangible manifestation upon your emotions. Your emotions today should look different a year from now. Your mind, the way you think, the way you see the world, the way you relate the world through your eyes and your ears should be different a year from now. Your values should be less and less the values of your, of your family and the values of your culture and more and more the values of the family of heaven, more and more the culture of heaven. Kingdom, there is... There is a tangible manifestation in how you feel about yourself, how you feel about your life. There's meant to be a tangible manifestation. And it's not meant to only come down for a little bit. That, that's, a, that's a visitation. Moses had a visitation. In the New Testament tent that we have, there's, there's, there's actually a habitation. What's different than a habitation and a visitation? You get visited. In the visitation, you get lived in in the habitation. 
And somebody that's living with you is transforming how, you, how you're shaped and how you, what goes on inside of you. Instead of I get visited and I, something happens and there's an awareness, but then he leaves, there's a, there's a habitation that goes on. We're, we should walk with an expectation of the blessings of God in our life. As we follow his word, Jesus says, build your life upon this rock, upon these principles, and this will happen to you. Is anything happening to you? If nothing's happening to you, then you're probably not living out further and deeper and stronger the principles of Jesus. If nothing's happening to you, you're not shifting and you've settled, you, 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 you've let God change you. But now, 20 years into it, two years into it, of the Holy Spirit on your own. And at every age, we're meant to do that. So I was, I was baptized in 1969. Uh, I got spirit-filled with speaking in tongues like in 1976. Uh, I've been in church a long time. I was at a church for a short period of time. I started going when I was 13 uh, on my own. My parents kind of drugged me to church a little bit, but not much. Thankfully, my dad, we were always, we'd always buy a house and remodel a house. So from like about five or six years old on and on until I was 13, I could make a choice. Go to church with mom or stay home and work with dad. And work with dad was like, you're going to tear out the sheetrock wall. And I was, I was too young to like tear out the wall. So I could take a hammer at six years old and I'd get all the nails out of the, the studs, you know, because you're all those old nails. And I'd put them in a five-gallon bucket or I'd put the sheetrock, I'd take it out, put it in the dump pile, stuff like that. I never chose to go to church till I was 13. It was always, I'd rather work with dad. I'd rather do some hard labor with dad instead of get dressed up and go to church. What I do know is there's a constant press for me to live in the kingdom of the church instead of the kingdom of heaven. There's a constant press for me to live in religion instead of for me to live in relationship. A constant press. And what happens is we get, we get tired in the kingdom and then we go over into the kingdom, in the kingdom of religion, we go over into the kingdom of religion, opposes the development and the belief system and the culture of the kingdom of heaven, as does the kingdom of the earth. So we, we, we kind of flip back and forth. We're in church, we're out of church. We're in church, we're out of church. We're in church, we're out of church. But we're really meant to go towards the kingdom. We want to invite people into the kingdom. We want to live in the kingdom and from the kingdom. I think what happens... I think this is what happened to Israel in, in, in Exodus 20, is they get super excited that they're going to be able to meet God. And then they realize the perfection that God is, and they begin to shake and shiver with some shame. They begin to doubt their, that they're good enough to go before the Lord, and they say, whoa, 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 let Moses go and do the talking. He can come back and share with us what God said. I think there's something that happens that we, because of our, our thoughts, because of our memory of how we've lived our life and how we, bad we are, when God begins to say, I love you, I care for you, my plans are great for you, there's life abundant and even more abundant, you can't even imagine how good it's going to be, how good it can be inside of you, you don't know what it feels like for depression to be taken away, but I want to do that for you. We're like, whoa, 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 whoa. We begin to feel bad, we begin to press away, and we say, I'll, I'll take what the doctor's giving me. I'll take what the minister's giving me, but I won't actually relate 
to the Holy Spirit. So in the, into the cloud more regularly, we're supposed to manifest the cloud through our life more regularly. I was sharing with somebody this week and in the, in the, it's like 60, 68, 69 to about uh, late uh, or early 70s in the, in the Jesus movement, the hippie movement on the West Coast. There's this guy named Lonnie Frisbee. And I haven't, I haven't seen his documentary for years. There's a documentary on him. He didn't end well, but that doesn't mean that God didn't do something radical in his life. God radically saved him out of drugs. And, um, and uh, uh, he was in his, his early 20s, but he would, he would walk up. He would see a bunch of, bunch of teenagers or 20-year-olds, hippies, all, all on LSD and all, you know, all just out of it. And he would he'd walk up and go, hey, hey, and he'd get their attention. He'd walk up and he'd stand up on the bench or on a picnic table. And he would, he would just say, you know what? Jesus loves you. And Jesus would just come down and, and love all of them. And they would all experience Jesus. And then he would take them to church that Sunday. There's, there's a denomination that uh, got a lot of growth from Lonnie Frisbee there in, uh, in California, in uh, Southern California. And the thing is, is there's a tangible presence that's meant to go with us. It's not, it's not ooky, it's not icky, it's not, it's not spooky. I don't know what I was thinking, icky. It's not spooky, it's not like I have to like conjure it up like a magic ball, but there's an expectation in me that I trust. And we're not always, we're not always supposed to be, oh, come Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit. We're, we're, we're meant to in the kingdom walk in some expectation that Holy Spirit is here. Holy Spirit is here. If Christian and I are having a conversation, this is so hard in marriage. This is so hard with, with people you're close the Holy Spirit's here. We might be ignoring him. The Holy Spirit's speaking. We might be shouting him down, but the Holy Spirit's speaking. The Holy Spirit, if we have in conflict, if I'm in pain, if I feel depressed, to believe and to believe that there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a Holy Spirit moment right here. As I'm walking in here, I just can't see this. And the kingdom opens our eyes more and more and more to this expectation. So we don't, we don't, and we do invite, we do pursue but, but, but what do you do when you've invited and pursued? You begin to believe, I can release the presence of God. I can release the kingdom right here. I can release his presence. I can release his love right here. I can cast the kingdom seeds out. People can trample on it. People can devour it and still be hungry. People can, the, the devil can pick it up, but there's seed that goes out. And I can cast that seed out. And that's what we do. We have an expectation that instead of just, oh, I want the kingdom or I'll get the kingdom when I die, is that I've got something right now that I can cast out. I have something right now that actually changes lives. I have something. Not people to people that get prayer, you know. Um, We can do those things. We can bring people to church. We can say, read this. But really, we should be asking all the time, God, what's my part? I want to be a part of the kingdom. I want to live out of the kingdom in those ways. All right? So... Let me see. So the kingdom of heaven is not a tent. It doesn't have a tent, except that a single, singular tent has multiple tents. And we're that tents. We're, we are those tents. And there's something that's meant to happen in and through us that we share with the world. And we've said it's the gospel message of salvation alone. But really, we should be walking out the fullness of the gospel, the rising up the gospel, rising up salvation, rising up sozo like we sang about. And that's, that's us. That's for us to have. It's not like, oh, i got to get to work now. It's like, ooh, that's what I was made for. Just go ahead and stand up. And
And Stevie, can you put on a little bit of music? I want to I'm going to end right here. So close your eyes. Just close your eyes and I just want you to use your imagination as we close here is close your eyes and imagine imagine a, a tent. It can be a glamping tent out in the beautiful wilderness at the Yosemite Park. It can be a it can be a tent by the beach. It can be a singular little pup tent. You're up by yourself and that's when to imagine just in your mind settle that there's a tent there and just get just get a feel for 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 the tent and where it is and and um just have that tent in mind and then begin to look at that tent and see that tent as as you that that's that's you that's your tent that's where your mind and emotions are that's where your will is that's where all your memories are. That's where your experiences are. That's where your, your love and your hurt and your pain is in that tent. So I want, you to, I want you to go to that tent. I want you to go to the front of that tent, but I don't want you to go in that tent yet. Now, I want you to actually be imagining these things, okay? I know it can be a little bit difficult. So imagine you're at that tent, and it's full of, of life. It's full of memories. It's full of, of your emotions. It's full of your thoughts. It's full of your hopes for the future. It's full of the pain from the past. It's full of words that people have spoken of, over you, words that people have spoken against you. It's full of negative thoughts that you've had about yourself and your life and your future. And so, Holy Spirit, will you go in with me? I mean, in your in your mind's eye, say, "Holy Spirit, will you go in with me?" And put your hand on that tent door, that tent flap, and and walk in with the Holy Spirit into your tent. And now it's you and the Holy Spirit in your tent of who you are, and that's the temple of the Holy Spirit. With the Holy Spirit there, there's nothing, there's no memory that you deal with by yourself. There's no emotion that you deal with by yourself. There's no memory you deal with by yourself. There's no problem that you have to have an answer for on your own. There's nothing you need to be afraid of because the Spirit of God is there with you. And everywhere that your identity of who you are as a person has been messed up by the enemy or even messed up by you, the Holy Spirit has restorative power, redemptive power to make it all new, to make it all fresh. And this is when we say, done. God, whatever emotion you want to take away, whatever you want to do, Whatever you want to add to me, I want that. Whatever you want to give to me, I want that. Whatever you're asking me for, I want that. My bitterness, yes, take it. I'm not, I'm not going to hide it. Walk through that house. Walk through that tent. Say, Holy Spirit, what do you want? What do you want, to, what do you want to take away? Yes. What do you want me to give up? Yes. But even more importantly, what do you want to give me? 
What manifestation of your presence do you want to give me? What healing do you want to give me? What memory do you want to redeem? What part of my life that's devastated do you want to restore? And then just that mindset that this is, this is your temple. Father, this is your home. This is your dwelling place. And you're, in, you're sharing it together. Your spirit united with his spirit. And that's a, that's a beautiful picture of salvation. That's, a, that's our beautiful picture of the kingdom and of eternity. Of us dwelling together in the same place with our Father. Us is your tent. And we declare ourselves as priests and kings. And we declare ourselves as your children. As temples of the Holy Spirit. Where you want to make a difference on this earth. In us and through us. And we thank you for that. We thank you for that. And we just ask for your and we invite your manifestation of your Holy Spirit in our lives and through, through, through how we talk, through our language that only we have and through our personality. We ask for a, for a kingdom thing to begin to happen through us. So we see our, our jobs differently. We see our homes differently. We see our talent and our personalities differently because we're listening to you dwelling in us and we're speaking to you at a deeper level at a different level so father god we just just bless every person in here bless every person in here with an abundance of goodness an abundance of your presence an abundance of your anointing and favor in their life that it would impact every area of their life body soul and spirit mind and emotions relationships jobs and finances that there, there would be an increase in, in our finances, there would be an increase in the favor, there would be a tangible increase that we would begin to trust you more and more and expect more and more of ministry, more and more of, of, of work, more and more of the right. Amen. God bless you.